The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 338, powered by RageWorks, broadcasting live Thursday, February 25th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Uh, we broadcast live every Wednesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Wednesday nights, we focus on MMA and wrestling. Thursday nights, we talk gaming, some entertainment. Sometimes a little tech gets thrown in for good measure, but that's pretty much what we cover in a nutshell. Uh, this show is currently being simulcast in audio and video formats. For video, it is on Twitch, Vaughn Live, Stream Up, and Restream. For those of you that are watching the video version of the show, you can also watch it on Roku, and via the Twitch app on your consoles as well. I know a couple of people have been streaming with YouTube Live, uh, watching the stream via YouTube Live on their televisions, and I know there's been some issues with that. Uh, We were actually in touch with uh, the provider for our service that we use to do the simulcast, and they were explaining that occasionally if the traffic is still good, there, you know, the traffic on, on our end is good. Sometimes it's just, a you know, packets that break up in terms of sending the signal to YouTube. So we're still working out the bugs in that. But um, for those of you that are using YouTube, we appreciate it. I know that some people are having their fair share of issues, and we are definitely working through it. The audio version of the show is streamed via Mixler. Uh, You can go to Mixler.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. And if you are on your mobile device, you can get the Mixler app, punch in MyTakeRadio, and listen to the show that way via your mobile device. And of course, If you have Bluetooth speakers or in your car, you can stream it with Mixler to those devices as well. Of course, archived episodes of the show will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Google Play and Spotify, which we mentioned during last night's show. And, um, of course, video versions will be available on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rageworks. All right, so a couple of things we want to get out of the way, some housekeeping uh, first and foremost, we are still working on uh, getting our green screen set up up and running. 
nonetheless, uh, there, we had some new furniture that was brought in during the week, which messed up a couple of things during last night's show, had a couple of wires that were still disconnected. Uh, very happy to have that resolved and be back uh, to full operating capacity. There's still some furniture and stuff that we're waiting for uh, for the new space. And on top of that, there's a ton of products I have to unbox, review, and send out. In addition to that, we got some prizes. Last night, we announced the winner of our WWE Pops contest uh, in partnership with our friends at Entertainment Earth. Incredible turnout we had, almost 200 entries, uh, lots of new followers on social media. We appreciate it, and welcome to those guys. And, of course, lots of great input from people that answered our question of which WWE superstar, past or present, you would like to see get a pop figure. Of course, the winning entry followed the steps that we put for the contest, and they actually said that they would like to see a three-pack with the three faces of Foley which was pretty cool considering that, you know, it was definitely thinking outside of the box. I know one person had requested a uh, Vince McMahon pop, which I know is inevitable, but, you know, a guy like McFoley or even a guy like Shawn Michaels, who was another choice, are individuals that can see a, a, a huge amount of different variants uh, when it comes to pops. I mean, with McFoley, you can even go as far as doing a fourth face with McFoley as Santa Claus, which would be kind of cool as well. But nonetheless, um, congratulations to our winner, Colin, from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, who won the contest. Uh, We are working on a brand new contest. I think we're going to use it to tie into Superman uh, versus Batman Dawn of Justice since we got so many cool things uh, relating to the film during our time at Toy Fair. Uh, One of them in particular, this, Batman versus Superman, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Uh, from our time at Toy Fair meeting with Mattel. Uh, We have two of those we want to give away, and also a figure from Batman vs. Superman, of course. It is of uh, Ben Affleck as Batman. The the armored one, the armored Batman, uh, has already found a home, but the other Batman figure will be part of the giveaway. Uh, We're going to do that as a you know first prize, second prize type of contest, and we're going to start involving... Some of our other online communities, I think we're going to start tying in a little bit more of Instagram. Uh, We're going to try and bring in some Snapchat as well. I know we've been doing a lot of stuff with them. And um, I think we're going to leverage those two things as a way to give out this contest. So there's going to definitely be uh, two of those that are going to be given away and a secondary prize, which will be given to, uh, of course, uh, someone as well. I think we're going to probably launch that contest uh, second week of March, maybe if, if not the second week, maybe, you know, sometime during the first week, depending on scheduling, but we're definitely going to set up that giveaway to give that to one or two. Well, let me rephrase that to three lucky people in this instance. Uh, also we want to do a giveaway for Captain America civil war. We actually have a Marvel legends, Captain America. We want to give away. We also got some teenage mutant Ninja turtle stuff. And we got a couple of Archer keychains that we want to give away, as well as uh, some uh, foam zombie-killing weapons. Lots of cool stuff from Toy Fair that we want to give to you guys. Uh, We got some gadgets as well, not just all toys. We got some speakers, some Bluetooth headsets, uh, a couple of other things we want to give out to some of our listeners and readers. Uh, Definitely keep it locked to RageWorks.net and, of course, my Take Radio for updates with regards to that. Uh, In addition... I did want to say that our broadcasting slate for the month of March is pretty much 
booked all the booked all the way through. I know a couple of people have been asking about when we're going to be getting guests. Um, only reason I haven't done guests is just because you know between the studio space and trying to get everything squared away on the hardware front. But now that things are kind of slowing down, getting a little easier, we're going to start doing some guests and we're going to start doing more video stuff. I actually recorded a Toy Fair wrap up sharing some of the images from the show, which we're going to post on YouTube for those of you that didn't get to attend the event or want to see some of the cool stuff that we saw. We can give you something in video format that you guys can enjoy. I'm debating also possibly doing an unboxing for one of those Superman, Batman, Rock'em, Sock'em sets. I think it would be funny and we can have a few laughs with that. Maybe I'll recruit Slick uh, to do to assist me in that endeavor. We'll see what happens. But uh, the broadcasting slate for March is pretty much, you know, there's no breaks. And um, we're going to try and start getting some other guests in. I know a couple of you guys have reached out and are interested in being part of our Toys and Tech of the Trade column, which we really enjoy doing, just sharing some of the gear and some of the gadgets and stuff that many of my peers and um, you know fellow broadcasters, entrepreneurs, etc. use in their day-to-day. Of course, it wouldn't be Rageworks without sprinkling you know some toys and some geeky stuff in there as well, which um, we definitely are probably going to have one person per week uh, for the month of March. I know that we hadn't published it in a couple of weeks only because people's schedules and obviously getting us the questions in a timely fashion were definitely an issue. But nonetheless, uh, we're probably going to have one person per week for the month of March and even most likely for the month of April as well. Uh, other thing I did want to address, of course, is event coverage. I know that we're going to have Consumer Electronics Week in June that we will be covering. I think that is probably going to be um, another endeavor like Toy Fair where you're going to get a lot of stuff from me over the course of the week via social media. Hell, I'm still sharing stuff from Toy Fair on Instagram only because, like I said, we took um, took about 1,000 photos. You know, we deemed about 620 of them, 625 worth sharing and using on different platforms. And, of course, there's 300 photos, which if you're someone who takes, you know, who does photography on a consistent basis, you know that there's a lot of throwaway shots there as well. But we do have uh, some stuff that we're going to continue sharing on our social media platforms as well. All right. So. With that out of the way, on deck for tonight, of course, we got a lot of gaming news for this week, and um, well, let me rephrase that. We have a fair amount of gaming news for this week, only because gaming has been a little light. Um, I am going to give you guys a couple of impressions on Street Fighter V, which I've been playing. I actually picked it up on Friday, uh, well, late Friday slash Saturday, and um, you know the thing, the thing about it is that it's... It has it has parts of it that I have issue with, but again, you know, I'll address that in the segment. On the entertainment side of things, we got a decent amount of Marvel news, including the recent reveal of who is playing Iron Fist in the Netflix series, as well as, you know, the Defenders when that airs on Netflix. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into some DC stuff, uh, some small screen TV news we're going to get into, and of course, we will take your calls, 347 324 Three five four one, three four seven three two four three five four one. For those of you using Twitch, Vaughn Live, or any of the other mediums that have a chat room and want to participate in the chat for tonight's show, head over to mtrlive.com. There is a player there as well, 
and you'll be able to interact with uh, members of the MTR staff and, of course, uh, listeners as well. All right, so let's get this ball rolling. Let's jump into the gaming news of the week, shall we? We got a fresh update from 2K for WWE 2K16. A brand new Hall of Fame Showcase Pack DLC is available for Xbox One and PlayStation 4 Season Pass owners. Of course, you can buy it separate as well for $9.99. You're getting a decent amount of stuff. You're getting a couple of fantasy matchups and, of course, some iconic ones as well, plus some superstars included that may not have been included in the initial roster. So, of course, you're getting fantasy matchups and um, regular matchups that have occurred, including Macho Man Randy Savage and Jake the Snake, uh, Rikishi versus The Rock. Of course, these are matches that have happened. Alundra Blaze versus Paige. Very interesting choice of opponent for the legendary Alundra Blaze. Uh, Larry Zabisco and Arn Anderson taking on Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Dustin Rhodes. Um, pretty solid. I think I think that's a that's a cool match. Uh, Tatsumi Fujinami, of course, takes on Ric Flair, given the storied history between those gentlemen. I'm not shocked. Uh, the Bushwhackers taking on the Natural Disasters, which is Typhoon and Earthquake. Of course, the Bushwhackers recently went into the Hall of Fame, and the Natural Disasters were one of the most unforgettable tag teams of the late 80s. Um, I remember that it used to be Tugboat, who used to be friends with Hogan. After the heel turn, he became Typhoon and, of course, Earthquake. And they had a pretty decent run. I think that that's going to be a fun match to play as. And, of course, another another legendary match, the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, taking on Harlem Heat, Booker T, and Stevie Ray. Um, the thing that I liked about this update in particular versus some of the others, obviously you get those superstars and you get to play those iconic matches. But the fact is that even in playing those iconic matches, you get to relive some moments that you know many of us forgot about. I mean, for me... Macho Man and Jake the Snake was probably one of my favorite feuds growing up. I remember uh, Jake the Snake carried the the snake in the bag, and in this instance, he had a snake that he pulled out that actually bit Macho Man in the arm. Now, if you're a kid and you're seeing this on television, you are freaking the fuck out for for a lot of reasons. And um, this was definitely one of them. Uh, kudos to 2K for capturing that and being able to put that in the... Uh, new DLC. Again, if you have the season pass for WWE 2K16, you will be able to enjoy that for free. And of course, if you want to participate and did not buy the season pass, you will be paying $9.99. All right. Of course, we got a brand new month in full effect. That means that there are games being announced for the following month for PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live Gold. Now, Obviously, on the PlayStation side, people have the opportunity to vote for their games um, for Xbox One slash PlayStation, uh, excuse me, Xbox One and Xbox 360. You know that you get what you get. So what are you guys going to be getting in the month of March? Well, for PlayStation 4, you're getting Broforce and Galaxy. Uh, For PlayStation 3, you're getting The Last Guy and Super Stardust HD. Uh, PlayStation Vita is getting Flame Over and Reality Fighters. And for Xbox Live Gold... Uh, from March 1st through the 31st, you're getting Sherlock Holmes, Crime and Punishment, and um, Lords of the Fallen, available from March 16th through April 15th. Now, on the 360, aside from you getting a separate uh, a separate catalog of games, 
the games that are being released now are backwards compatible with the Xbox One. You will be getting Supreme Commander available March 1st through the 15th. And if you missed out on Borderlands, you're going to get an opportunity to play it for free March 16th through the 31st. Again, Xbox One is getting Sherlock Holmes and Lords of the Fallen. Uh, Xbox 360 is going to be getting Supreme Commander and Borderlands. On the PlayStation side, just to recap, Broforce Galaxy on the PS4. The PS3 is going to be getting The Last Guy, Super Stardust HD. And if you have a a PS Vita paperweight, you'll be getting Flame Over and Reality Fighters. Um, You know, as as someone who owns both, you know, PS Plus and Xbox Live Gold subscriptions, um... I, initially, I was always apprehensive about pl- about paying for that, obviously, for the extra perks. But as you start downloading more and more games, especially games that are really good, that slip through the cracks, the you know the service starts to really pay for itself. So I was I remember I was listening back to episodes when PlayStation Plus was first announced, and I thought that the concept was stupid for a multitude of reasons. But obviously, the value has increased exponentially. And you're getting a, a solid amount of titles, especially if you are, um, a, you know, a multi-console owner on the PlayStation side. If you have a Vita, a PS3, and a PS4, you're essentially getting six games for what counts for nothing, you know, for pennies. Same thing on the Xbox Live Gold side, especially with the um, announcement of the 360 backwards compatibility. Again, you are coming away with a fair amount of solid titles. I mean, I personally missed out on Borderlands when it first came out, and I played it a little bit that's, you know, someone lent it to me, and um, I really felt that I should have sat down and played that game through only because I've heard so many good things, and this is going to be an opportunity for me to sit down, download the game, and just be able to, j- to jump in at my own pace and play that. So there you have it. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about reboots and double dips only because we've talked about them on numerous occasions and um wow this mic is a little louder than it should be all right let's bring that down a bit (laughs) unless these headphones are loud and i'm going deaf but either way so slick and i have talked on on previous episodes about you know double dip and triple dip especially when it comes to certain iconic games and certain storied franchises well in capcom's case capcom is a repeat offender uh, double dipping, triple dipping, quadruple dipping, depending on the game and, you know, churning them out and people jumping out of their skin to get their hands on it. Well, today Capcom announced that they will be releasing Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6 for Xbox One and PlayStation 4 later this year. Um, of course, the games will be available digitally, but also in stores with an MSRP of nineteen ninety nine. Uh, this, of course, is the lead up to Resident Evil 6 which will be hitting stores on March 29th and um, Resident Evil 5 and 4 will be hit uh, will hit stores during the summer and later on during the fall. Now the thing that gets me is that you're releasing these games Resident Evil 6 obviously uh, March 29th just jumping out of the gate and then you're going backwards with uh, 4 being released in the fall of 2016. Now again I think we're at a stage where if you haven't played Resident Evil at this juncture, you're either not a fan of the series or you just never got around to playing with it because Resident Evil's been released in some incarnation across pretty much every console. And the thing that gets me is I like Resident Evil. I felt that Resident Evil was one of those games that was 
you know, a flagship title, especially when you had the original PlayStation and you played the first Resident Evil. You know, that was a game changer. You see it, you look at it, you're like, wow, you know, this is what, what got survival horror games on the map. And, of course, countless other imitators came out. People tried to replicate that with other types of, of games. And, obviously, Resident Evil was the one that kind of set the standard when it came to console survival horror. Now, of course, Resident Evil lost its way over the years with, um, you know, less than stellar outings. And, you know, obviously Capcom is trying to recapture that magic. Uh, for me, I always felt Resident Evil 1, 2, Code Veronica were nemesis, were iconic games, amazing games. I mean, Code Veronica, I remember on the Dreamcast, blew my mind when I first saw it. I thought it was just visually a stunning game at the time, a real advance in hardware. You know, when when the console wars were still kind of up in the air, depending on on which which genre you were into. I personally felt that, you know, Capcom once again, jumping into the pool, remastering these games, throwing them out there. I mean, it's not hurting the pockets at 20 bucks a rip, but even still, if they would have been smart, they would have released this as a bundle and they would have done that versus, you know, doing it piecemeal. It, I mean, they did it. Sony did it with the Uncharted collection. They they remastered it. They released it, and everybody bought it because it's one of those things that you you just want to get your hands on, especially if you missed out on it initially. With Resident Evil, though, I feel that, like I said, at this stage, you you've had to have played it at some point. Um, I I would have rather gone with creating a box set with all the Resident Evil titles. I you know I would have rather remastered one two Nemesis and and the other titles and then release that as a bundle which you know I think if you did that and you charged forty nine ninety nine or even the full sixty at that point if you're if you're getting six games at ten bucks a title you it's it's a really good value instead you're doing it piecemeal and um you know it's it, people are gonna speak with their wallets but I know a couple of people already that were expressing a lot of interest and excitement about this game, about this series of games hitting the PS4 and Xbox One. And again, uh, to the people that that told me that they were going to pick them up, I, I'm like, but dude, haven't you played this at least on two separate occasions? Yeah, man, but you know, on Xbox One and PS4, it's going to look crazy. Okay, that's great. But again, you have to look at it from the perspective that you're taking a, a series that pretty much has gotten, has been a, grown a little long in the tooth and you're putting a fresh coat of paint on it, and you're expecting people to jump for joy and pick it up. Obviously, Capcom will be happy if they sell a couple of units, but I just feel that it's a it's a waste to only release 4, 5, and 6 and not do some sort of a box set and remaster the entire series and release it that way. I think there's just more value there. More people would buy it. I think if you put out Resident Evil 1 through 6 remastered on Xbox One or PS4, People would buy it. I mean, even even me personally, I would pick it up just because I haven't played Resident Evil 1. I think the last time I played it was when they remastered it for the GameCube, I want to say. I think it was the, the GameCube remaster, which I you know I, I thought was really well done at the time. I think that was the last time. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind taking it for a spin. I think that it it's one of those opportunities where, you know, you want to play it for the sake of nostalgia. And even nowadays with people streaming so much on Twitch, um, you know, you, you, want, you want to try it. You want to give it a shot and see how it pans out. I, I would do that. I would be more inclined to spend 60 bucks and get all six games versus, you know, this $20 piecemeal bullshit. Again, you know, 
Oh, by the way, for those of you excited about Resident Evil 6, the PS4 and Xbox One version, of course, will include all of the DLC and costumes along with the campaign and multiplayer modes because, you know, those are benefits. <laughs> for those of you that are fans of Rocket League, there's a couple of news items I want to share with you guys. Uh, the first one is that, in obviously, in in partnership with Warner Brothers, you will be able to use the Batmobile from Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice in Rocket League. Uh, the car pack is going to be priced $199. You're going to get the car as well as three exclusive antenna flags for you to show your support for Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman, and you will be able to pick that up on March 8th. In addition to that, those of you that are trying to pick up uh, Rocket League for your respective consoles, you'll be happy to know that if you're not comfortable doing a digital purchase of the game, you'll be able to purchase the game via a retail channel. Psyonix Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jeremy Dunham, announced today that a release date and pricing, while not formal at this moment, are going to be announced sooner rather than later, and you will be able to get a physical copy of Rocket League. Um, Rocket League has been super successful, generated $70 million in revenue, and has sold over 4 million copies across all platforms. Um, obviously, this does not include copies downloaded by PlayStation Plus members last July, but across other platforms that were fully monetized. I ended up jumping on Rocket League because I ended up getting it for free during the PS Plus. Uh, PS Plus is free offering, and I thought the game was just incredibly enjoyable, super fun, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I don't know if I'm going to personally pay the $1.99 to use the Batmobile. Um, there is an iconic car pack that I want to pick up, so maybe if down the road they include it as a bundle or if they release a retail version of the game with all the DLC and all the packs, maybe then I'll be a little inclined to pick it up. But again, if you are a hardcore Rocket League gamer and are a fan of Batman vs. Superman, you will be able to drive the Batmobile starting March 8th for 2 bucks. All right, so the other thing I did want to talk about is the Hitman beta. Of course, if you've been following Rageworks, you'll know that our very own Slick has been posting a lot of stuff relating to the beta. Uh, people have been asking tons of questions. Slick even did a stream on his channel of the game. Uh, but for those of you that are that have that lucked out and did not get to participate in the beta, I am pleased to announce that the PS4 will be releasing a beta to the public for PS Plus members on March 4th. Of course, those of you that have been on the fence about the game, if you are a PS Plus user, you will be able to get your hands on the beta starting March 4th and judge the game for yourself. Uh, Slick just informed me also that he is finalizing his review of Hitman Go, and you'll be able to catch that on RageWorks.net as well. All right, so... To wrap things up, I did want to discuss uh, Street Fighter V. Like I said, I picked it up. I actually called it in Friday night, and I missed the cutoff to pick it up and ended up picking it up Saturday, so late Friday slash Saturday. Um, and when I got home, I was, you know, you went through the tutorial. They kind of drop you in, and you get acquainted with the controls. I played a little bit with each character, trying to figure out who was going to be my main um this time around, if you know me in the real world, you know that Akuma is usually my main character, one of my favorites. Uh, after a while in Street Fighter 4, I started using Adon. I really started enjoying his fighting style and the way he looked and the way he played. Uh, then, of course, after the update, I started using Oni. 
a little bit more and Evil Ryu shortly after. And then I kind of, you know, took a back seat, didn't play it as much just because the real world got in the way. But Street Fighter V, I feel, is a very solid game. I think it was, you know, it, it is a beautiful game, visually stunning, um, definitely harnesses the power of the PS4. But for someone who does not participate in the um, in the tournament circuit, you're probably going to feel that the game is incomplete. I mean, you know, if you play through the story campaign, you know, there's little cinematics that are hand-drawn, nothing nothing with motion, and, um, you know, you can complete pretty much the entire cinematic campaign for uh, story mode for all the fighters, maybe within an hour or two if, if you apply yourself, and um, Slick, don't get, don't get too ahead of yourself. <laughs> but, um... Slick says he whooped my ass when I used Adon. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I'm not going to say I have selective selective memory because I don't fucking remember, but I know that I definitely was not a slouch. Um, you probably got a couple of licks in, that's for sure, but I'm sure I wasn't getting my ass completely whooped. <laughs> I know I'm rusty, but damn, not that rusty. Anyway, as I was saying, you know, Street Fighter purists are going to find this game to be... Um, incredibly impressive and they're going to appreciate the control scheme the amount of energy and and time that was put into you know balancing out the characters as best as they could and you know trying to also make street fighter accessible to the masses obviously as soon as you start the game and they put you in training mode they're they're really trying to get you acclimated to some of the new strategies obviously the v trigger and everything else uh being a factor in the game and i do feel that in that regard, Street Fighter became more accessible to to the masses. But on the same token, I feel that by releasing a game that, it pains me to say it, is incomplete, you took away a lot of the guts that made Street Fighter uh, just a, a solid title. And and that's something that bothered me. I felt that, you know, there, there's, gonna, there's a story mode edition, there's all these other editions in the pipe. And it bothers me because so many people casually are sitting there saying that you know it's okay it's fine and for me personally i don't mind playing online if if i'm playing with 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 friends or or you know close you know people i've met through the show or people that i know casually it's fine but in terms of just jumping in there and making that kind of like the driving force for the game for me personally i just don't think that that's a that was the right course of action i think that you should have focused on giving people a complete experience from soup to nuts and not just leveraging the online component as the driving force. I understand that, you know, you're trying to, to create the street fighter community and increase the popularity of the game and get the game out there and, you know, make competitive fighting game events, uh, a really, really big thing, obviously with stuff like Dota, Halo, call of duty. We know that the money is out there and the fan appeal is out there. But like I said, you're sacrificing so much of what made Street Fighter the core Street Fighter experience, um, you know, memorable to gamers for the sake of reaching an audience and mainstreaming. I just feel that, again, the the release of an incomplete game is something that is becoming more and more commonplace. And, you know, some of my peers that that cover gaming uh, beg to differ. They feel that, you know, the revolutionary graphics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are a major driving force. And because of that, they look past some of the core elements that, 
make the game what it is. I mean, you wouldn't buy a bicycle and when you open the box and they tell you, hey, you're not getting a seat, you wouldn't sit back and think that was okay that, you know, they're going to send you the seat in three months. You'd say, yo, I paid for a complete bicycle. I want a fucking complete bicycle. You know, you're not going to buy a car with three tires. You know, I can give so many over-the-top examples just to, you know, to drive the point home. But again, nobody is... People, you don't accept half-assed things in the real world. Why should you accept it for a product that you're going to be playing for the foreseeable future? I I just don't understand that. I can understand if you buy a console and there's going to be updates and things and improvements because those are things that are continuing to evolve. Video games, it pains me to say, have a very, very limited shelf life especially when you're playing sports games. You know, once the season is over, that's it. The game is is outdated, and you try to trade it in at your local game retailer, and they give you, you know, $3 for a game that you've had maybe four months and you thought you were going to get 30 bucks for. I mean, this is what happens, and the problem is that sports games have, you know, obviously have some of the shortest shelf life, but fighting games should not. I mean, fighting games, they continue to live on, obviously, thanks to the fighting game community, But that also doesn't mean that the fighting game community isn't going to be vocal about the fact that games are incomplete. And as someone who's been playing Street Fighter for a long time, um, you know, I I turned on Street Fighter five and I played it. You know, I I found a couple of characters I I was digging. You know, uh, Laura was pretty cool. Um, Definitely felt her character was awesome. I like Nash. Um, I felt Nash was was well done. Uh, Probably one of the characters I'd be using. Vega was cool as well. I kind of played a couple of matches with Vega trying to hit my stride, but I still felt that the game had something missing. You know, obviously you wanted some sort of an arcade mode, which a lot of people were complaining about. And obviously the story mode left a lot to be desired, but obviously online, even though the servers had their issues, that's been kind of the driving force at this time. Uh, for me, like I said, it's it's a game that if you're on the fence about picking up Street Fighter V, and this is coming from someone who loves the series, and Slick knows I I am a, a Street Fighter fan, I, I'd honestly tell you to wait. As much, Even if you want to pick up the game right now and you're kind of waiting for, for an opinion from, from someone, I'm going to be honest and I'm going to tell you to wait. Wait for some of those bigger updates to come through to complete the game and... Um, you know, appreciate it as a complete experience versus getting what many of us got, which is what they feel was an incomplete game. Um, I am I am going to put together a review for Rageworks. I've been trying to write it and write it in such a way where I don't come off like a jaded son of a bitch. But the problem is, like I said, you pay 60 bucks and you have this expectation. You're expecting to get in a game with a complete full experience. Oh, I want to do training mode. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do this. And then you jump online. You know, that's that's what you expect. In terms of the character offerings, you know, there's something for everyone. If you're somebody who likes charge characters, you're going to get a charge character. If you want a character that relies on command grabs, you're going to get a character that has command grabs. You're going to get your Shotos as usual. You're going to get, you know, your scantily clad ladies with a uh, uh, varying barrage of attacks. It's 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 typical Capcom fare. Like I said, I just feel that the experience is incomplete. And because of that, I want to tell those of you that have been on the fence about picking up the game, wait. Give yourself maybe a month or two, unless you really want to jump into this shit. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money, but do yourselves a favor, 
wait a month or two, save your money and wait for a more complete experience only because if you don't feel comfortable jumping online right away and you want to kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the series, you might be better served waiting for a more complete experience. Anyway, that's my take on it. Again, you know, you're free, you're free to do whatever you wish with your wallets. I just don't want people to feel like I felt. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it and I found a lot of cool shit involved in it. Uh, you know, I, a lot of cool stuff that went into the making of the game that I thought was really cool. But again, you're better served waiting. Anyway, that little rant is going to wrap up the gaming portion of tonight's show. I want to switch gears, get into the entertainment side of things, and uh, keep the ball rolling. So let's get to it, shall we? I just noticed in the uh, the chat room that Slick said I bought every version of Street Fighter 4. It pains me to say that I kind of did. <laughs> um, I think the last the last two versions I bought, obviously, were the Ultra version, and then I bought the version that came with the, uh, the big Legends box set with all the different games and the statue and Ryu's belt and Tekken, Tekken X Street Fighter. You know, yeah, I, I, I definitely did do that. Uh, I, I am going to try and, and I'm planning on doing it maybe this weekend, maybe tomorrow. I do want to stream a little bit of Street Fighter EX plus Alpha. I know a lot of people were asking me about it because they had seen me stream it um, a while back when I was kind of getting into the streaming thing. And they were like, hey, man, you know, you should crack that out. And especially now with Street Fighter out there, you should put it out there. Um, I, I want to do it. I definitely want to try and set it up. The The issue is and... Um, you know, maybe maybe some of you guys that that are active in the streaming community can give me some insight. Um, originally, when I was streaming, I had my PC upstairs, and my PC handled the bulk of the work. Now that my PC is in the new space, I do have my laptop, and I'm thinking that that may be able to have enough juice to handle streaming. But I am not a hundred percent sure that is possible. Now, because of that, I'm concerned about trying to stream and not giving you guys the best stream possible. Uh, I know someone recommended that I should probably have a monitor, a new monitor, and buy an extra console or two and plug them in down here. Not sure I want to do that. I know some people were telling me I should get another TV, uh, have a TV down here, you know, maybe a small 28-inch or or something like that that I can uh, put on a wall mount and have a couple of consoles down here to do some streaming not sure if, if that's going to be the course of action I want to go into only because obviously the, the, the my real consoles are upstairs, but it's something I'm going to try and play around with. Maybe I'll, you know, pick the brains of, of some of the people that stream on a consistent basis and see what they think. But, um, <laughs> uh, slick slick made a very, very powerful comment that I, I really would like to get into but I'm not going to only because that's going to take me down a rabbit hole of frustration. But Slick, I am with you 100% on that. Anyway, let's get into this entertainment stuff. Uh, I want to open up with a franchise that is a horror franchise that is one of my favorites that over the over the last couple of years just got progressively worse. And that is Hellraiser. 
Now, if you guys know Hellraiser 1 and 2 are probably one of the two most iconic horror films in terms of bringing Clive Barker's twisted visions to life. And um, I really felt that after 2, everything else was complete shit. And the thing is that they've tried and tried and tried to to recapture that magic. And they've gone into some extreme directions with the series. But it looks like they're going to try and do a brand new installment called Hellraiser Judgment, uh, reported by Fangoria. And it's funny because one of the casting... One of the casting additions is Heather Langenkamp, who many of you may remember from the original Nightmare on Elm Street. She is going to be in the series, uh, in this film. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting because the guy who's directing it, which is uh, uh, Gary Tunnicliffe, who was the guy that worked on the visual effects for the previous films, is now going to be directing. But the problem is that Doug Bradley, who many of you may know, was obviously iconic for his role as pinhead is not involved in the project so we don't know who is going to be playing pinhead in this film but that was one of the things that i think made hellraiser so such a great series and it was the fact that the person who played the actor who played pinhead doug bradley just had the right look about him to bring that character to life it's no different than robert england with freddy krueger uh kane hodder to many of us as jason um, the list goes on and on, but that's something that as I was reading it, I'm like, man, we're going to get another Hellraiser. It's going to, you know, Doug Bradley's not involved. And already based on that alone, I am concerned that it's not going to do well, but we'll see what happens. Like I said, you know, Doug Bradley is, is, you know, he is pinhead. So to see somebody else step into those shoes is going to be very difficult for me as a fan, but We'll see what happens once I get any additional updates relating to obviously release dates, etc. I will let you guys know about that. In some box office news, it should come as no shock to any of you that the Merc with the Mouth once again owned the box office this past weekend, capturing a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful extra uh, bump of money, now putting it into a domestic total of $235 million. Um, you know, it's 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 an incredible outing for Deadpool. Definitely good times. Um, really pumped to see Deadpool doing so well. And um, <laughs> you know what's funny? Slick just shared a poster for Shocker um, in the chat room. Uh, a horror movie that is incredibly underrated uh, with a guy who gets killed on the electric chair and for some reason comes back to life and res- and travels through electrical current jump through jumps through TVs it was it was delightfully bad but delightfully awesome at the same time and to see that poster uh slick was definitely cool so thank you for sharing that uh, of course like i said deadpool came in at number 1 kung fu panda took in the number 2 slot big not, not even shocked obviously because the kung fu panda series is loved by kids it's it's pretty much a, a machine to print out money uh, Sony's Risen came in in the number three slot. Number four was The Witch. Number five was How to Be Single, which um, I, I've heard from three or four people that have seen that movie that it is a complete steaming pile of shit. And the crazy part is that the people that did go to see it, they have they have pretty good taste in movies. They actually went to see it because it looked it looked cute, it looked amusing, especially you know for for something that. 
you know, to pass the time. That's what I was told. Oh, I went to see it because I was bored and I wanted to catch a movie. And it was stunningly terrible. Um, the thing is, I, I just feel that the, the actresses involved in that film, like Leslie Mann, I just, she always just has a look about her that screams, I need to talk to a manager. Like she's really that lady, that real uptight lady that comes in her, her velour jumpsuit with her Starbucks in hand. And it's just a, an annoying bitch. And, and I'm sure that's not the case. And I feel bad because they did a, um, a sketch on Kimmel with celebrities reading mean tweets. And one of them was someone said, Leslie Mann looks like a complete and total bitch. And I just started laughing because I said to myself, damn, I am not alone. Like, you know, her, the other, the other girl, the English, the uh, Australian girl who, uh, you know, they just feel, oh, you know, she's big. She's kind of funny. We're just going to stick her anywhere and it'll make the movie better. It's like newsflash, not necessarily true. It's like, she's funny. She, you know, she's kind of funny, but her humor has to be limited. Like I thought she was good in, um, you know, pain and gain only because her, her screen time was limited. But if you see her in, um, what the fuck is that movie that everybody was talking about with the chicks doing the acapella? I, I remember my wife was watching, I believe it was the first one. And I just, I, like, I heard some of the jokes in the background and I'm like, yo, this movie, this chick is fucking terrible. And, um, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what to say about that only because, like I said, she, she has been funny in some of the other roles, but I think it's just, we're just gonna, we we need comic relief. Let's just stick the big girl in there. And um, <laughs> I I feel bad, you know, because I'm not I'm not fat shaming anybody or anything, but it's it's the same thing that they do with Melissa McCarthy. It's like they're funny, but they're not being cast for the sake of being funny. They're being cast for the sake of them being quote unquote fat and funny. Nobody wants to acknowledge that shit, wants to call it like they see it, but it's true. And hell, I think even the, the, the name of her character in the, uh, the stupid acapella movie was Fat Amy, the, um, you know, the Australian girl. And I'm like, what the hell, man? Like, they're calling you fat in your, in, in like your, as a matter of fact, when I saw the, um, when I, they actually did pops for that movie. And that's how I found out what her name was. Cause I remember I was looking. And, you know, I hold up the pops and I, and I tell, I ask my wife, I'm like, yo, is this chick's name in the movie really fat Amy? And she's like, yeah. And I didn't even know what to say to that. I was like, fuck, just, just, you know, uh, token, uh, I'm just going to start casting people by their names. Token black guy, black guy, slick, you know, brown man, rich, like that's how it's going to be. Cause clearly it's like, oh, you're going to, you're going to call somebody, you know, fat, whatever. And, and nobody bats an eyelash. It's, it's, it's insane. It really is insane. But in any case, let me, uh, <laughs> let me get back on track here. Anyway, as I said, Deadpool had another amazing outing and, um, Amazon is actually already taking pre-orders for the Blu-ray DVD release of Deadpool. Uh, as of right now, there is no official release date, but the listing on Amazon does say that the film will be out later on this spring. So again, if you're one of those people that wants to get their pre-orders in bright and early, know that Deadpool is currently, uh, they're currently pre-orders for Deadpool on Amazon. I'm sure that there will be an, uh, you know, super R-rated, hardcore, uncut version, which is going to be what everyone's going to want to get their hands on. Uh, right now, the Blu-ray is priced at $22.99, 
And the DVD, of course, is nineteen ninety nine. No extras or special features have been specified yet. But, um, you know, I think that it's one of those things where we're going to have to take a wait, uh, a wait and see approach. Slick is saying that they said there was not going to be a super R-rated version, which pisses me off. You know what, what it is, Slick? I think that what they are going to include in, in the release, that you know, the home video release, is going to be all the stuff that they had to leave on the cutting room floor. You know, some of the jokes that were a little over the top. So, I mean, you know, obviously they had to cut them out for the theater, but I'm sure those jokes are going to make their way into the film. Slick, meanwhile, is sending me photos in the chat room of Pinhead from different Hellraiser movies. And, dude, that reinforces what I said, man. After the second Hellraiser movie, the series turned to complete shit. Complete and utter shit. In some DC news, it looks like DC is going to be bringing another show to the small screen. But this one is not going to be necessarily focused on superheroes the way that Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and some of the other DC properties have been doing. This one is actually going to focus on the people that are trying to survive and and work their day-to-day jobs in the superhero world. Uh, DC is calling it powerless. It is going to be a half-hour comedy. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens is cast in the lead, and of course, uh, geek icons Danny Pudi from Community and of course Alan Tudyk from Firefly have been cast to join her in this series. So, as I said, the series is actually going to cover... A, uh, an insurance claims adjuster who's trying to help people and keep a low profile while dealing with the incredible frustration of superheroes in the world today. And obviously, it's going to lead to countless mishaps. Oh, you know, Superman threw a bus through a building, etc., etc., etc. Slick says they've been trying to launch that show for like two years. Well, here's the thing. They actually, they did do a pilot order. And because of that, NBC committed to the pilot which means that if the pilot isn't aired, uh, NBC has to actually pay monetary penalties. So um, they are going to move ahead with the show. Maybe it'll get one season. Who knows? I mean, I I can't say it's going to suck or be terrible. I just feel that anything that doesn't directly impact a uh, a comic book universe is going to really have a tough time out of the gate. And um, it's one of those things that I felt plagued Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the early going. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in, in the early going was essentially just a a, um, window dressing for Captain America and everything else. You know, name drops left and right. They didn't really start hitting their stride, in my opinion, until, you know, after Captain America uh, Winter Soldier. And I think that at that point, that's when the series started to come into its own, uh, introducing characters that can exist in that particular medium and not really directly, directly impact Uh, the Marvel Universe at large, but still, I I think that, at least in that respect, there were, you know, secondary, uh, secondary characters that you could rely on, you know, Mockingbird, um, what's her name, Uh, what the hell's the girl's name that does, Quake, Uh, you know, Fitz and Simmons, the occasional Nick Fury appearance, Coulson, of course, there's a lot of stuff you could do, and, um, you know, the thing is that, with with a show like this on the DC side of things, you're really just trying to focus on kind of the the really 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 obscure facts. Like, I mean, we all joke about it when we read comics and we watch movies. Like, yo, man, how do people react to you know Superman destroying half a metropolis and it being rebuilt in Batman versus Superman? I mean, you know, there's always stuff like that that you can joke about. Same thing with Spider Man or even in the first Avengers where New York was practically destroyed. 
you know, I there's definitely something there and it's and it's amusing, but I'm not a hundred percent sure you want to move forward with something like I said, so niche, so small. Um Slick says it is stupid though because they're doing a comedy, but the movies want to be dark. This is exactly what I've said is an issue with DC disconnecting their television properties from their from their big screen properties. I mean, I understand that it's a lot of moving parts to try and keep everything existing in one universe, which I know uh, is has been an issue for Marvel. But I also feel that completely dispute uh, disregarding the work that has been done on the television side is just a big issue. I mean, if you've been watching Flash, Arrow, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, I, like I said, you don't have to go crazy and, and name drop left and right like they did with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But what you could do is try and, and again, acknowledge that the stuff exists. You could talk about Metropolis and Superman. I mean, Supergirl does it quite a bit. You know, they definitely name drop Superman a lot. But I'm just talking about acknowledging that cinematic side of things. I mean, one thing that I've been that I have to commend the guys involved with the TV side of the DC universe is that they they throw a lot of Easter eggs out there. They utilize a lot of great characters. I mean, Vixen just showed up on Arrow recently, and and again, that's a cool character that had that little animated series on CW Seed and transition to you know the live action show and they really did a good job even even on the flash side flash is doing some really stellar things on the television side and to see that not being acknowledged on the big screen like i've said in in countless episodes it's it's you know disheartening again you're you're focusing your energies in the wrong place but again dc swears that they know what they're doing and they got a formula in place that is going to guarantee them success. We'll see if that's true. I mean, Batman versus Superman is definitely going to be the, uh, the, the salvo for their cinematic universe. And obviously from their suicide squad and everything else, but we'll see, we'll see if DC can out Marvel Marvel pretty much because at, at this rate, I think Marvel has figured out how to leverage both their Netflix properties, their agents of shield and agent Carter properties, plus the big screen stuff and really give us something that meshes pretty well together. I mean, there is some stuff that they could do a better job with, but again, I think that overall, in terms of just the universe as a whole, they've done a pretty good job mixing all the different aspects of of their universes together. You know, you got the street level heroes on the Netflix side, you got your more, you know, safer stuff on ABC, and of course, you got your big screen stuff. So, I think if they continue to do that, and kind of sprinkle things across the different platforms, Marvel will continue to succeed. DC, we'll see if by keeping each one separate, they can they can be as successful and hold their own against Marvel. It's going to be a very interesting 2016, that's for sure. So, a couple of weeks back, I was talking about the Taken series, which they were going to be doing on NBC, and they have actually found someone to play the character of Brian Mills, the, the obviously the Taken series that's going to be on NBC as a prequel to the films. And um, the thing that gets me is um, the you know I like Taken. I thought the Taken films were were good. I, I, I'm not going to say they were great. They were good. I thought Liam Neeson, you know, being an older actor, these films really played on his strengths. I'm not sure that I can see Taken being. Uh, a viable TV product, but NBC does feel that is the case. They're going to use 
they've actually cast Clive Standen from Vikings to play the character of Brian Mills. Of course, uh, it's going to follow his early days in the CIA, and it's going to pretty much be set in the present day, almost to, to how they did um, Bates Motel, you know, for Psycho, which, again, we'll, we'll see. I don't think that doing a, a series on Taken is going to take us, no pun intended, take us very far. And I say this because the Taken series leveraged, you know, the guy's daughter, his wife, etc. There was always an angle that was viable. And I don't think that doing this as a weekly show, I mean, is somebody going to be taken every week? I mean, it's funny if you want to go that route, but a procedural based on kidnappings every week is essentially CSI or any of these other shows. I don't think that we need another kidnapping procedural on TV to to drive the to drive those stories home, especially one based on a movie that had pretty decent success and you know should be left to its own devices. I mean, even even now they're they're working and they're finalizing the Cruel Intentions TV series, which Sarah Michelle Gellar is actually going to be involved in, and that series again, like so many others, I'm I'm really you know I'm not a hundred percent convinced they'll be successful, especially with. When it comes to a film like Cruel Intentions, which was really, you know, it definitely blurred a couple of lines. I don't think putting that series on broadcast television is going to lead to the success that they'd hope. I think that if you're going to do a series based on Cruel Intentions, you're going to want to leverage AMC, FX, you know, a cable channel where you have a little bit more creative freedom. I, I always feel that broadcast TV likes to play it very safe. Um, you know, Slick said in the chat that they, you know, to bring back the player. And it's true. I felt that the player had a lot of potential. I just thought that it was on the wrong network. I really did. I felt that that would have been a USA, a really good USA series that they could have done, especially with the void left by by a show like Burn Notice. You could have really done something special with the player on, on the USA network or maybe FX or Spike TV. I just felt that Putting it in that on that on that slot in that time slot on that network was a recipe for disaster. But I feel your pain, Slick. I definitely would have loved to have seen uh, the player get an extra, you know, an extra, you know, another shot, especially on another network, like I said, or even on Netflix as a Netflix series. I think it would have been it would have been done quite it would have done quite well, even if you would have done it as a strictly Netflix series or like I said on USA. It would have been better than how the show fared on broadcast TV, especially because Philip Winchester is a great actor. He did a he did an amazing job in Strike Back. If you've never seen Strike Back from Cinemax, do yourself a favor, check it out. It is an amazing series. Think about if Call of Duty were a movie and there was sex and tons of violence. That's pretty much what Strike Back is in a nutshell. You you definitely got to see it. Anyway. A couple of weeks back, I said that we were probably not going to get another Pacific Rim series just because there's been issues trying to get the film off the ground and Guillermo del Toro is working on other projects. Well, Deadline is reporting that Steven S. DeKnight, who many of you know from his work on Spartacus and Daredevil, is now stepping into the director's chair. And because of that, we will be seeing Pacific Rim 2. Now, Steven S. DeKnight did an amazing job with Spartacus. If you've never seen the Stars series, uh, you're definitely missing out. There's there's amazing storytelling at play there. Lots of blood and guts and gratuitous sex and violence. All all the all the fun stuff that you would expect. But you know he did a really good job with Spartacus. He did an amazing job with Daredevil. 
And I'm curious to see what he can do with uh, the Jaegers and the Kaiju and that dynamic. Again, Pacific Rim was a fun movie. I didn't think it was, you know, super amazing, but it was enjoyable for what it was. Mindless, you know, mindless robot violence, which is fine. Uh, I was curious to see where they would go with a sequel only because I felt that we needed to know more about these Kaiju and where they came from, how many different types there are. I kind of felt that that was a little bit, you know, accelerated in the first film. And I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see different types of Jaegers uh, building different ones. I thought that that was a really cool concept. Hell, when I was at Toy Fair, there were still awesome uh, collectibles put out for Pacific Rim, different versions of Gypsy Danger uh, and Striker and uh, some of the Kaiju as well. I think, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see what Stephen DeKnight does. Like I said, I I enjoyed the previous Pacific Rim film. I thought it was it was solid. Like I said, it wasn't masterful. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't super amazing but it was good you know it was it was good enough and i mean if you had to compare pacific rim to godzilla i would say that in terms of just action and delivering something really awesome pacific rim succeeded i liked godzilla i thought godzilla was good i felt that godzilla spent too much time on the human element and should have focused more on the dynamic on what people wanted to see obviously which was godzilla and the, and the mudos and everything else but you know i i'm hoping that the the outing of that film and the success that it had, as well as the complaints from countless people, including yours truly, will lead to something a little better when it comes to the sequel to that film. But I am I'm excited to see what Denight does with uh, Pacific Rim Two, and of course, once we get any plot details, casting, and any release any release information, we will share it with you guys. All right, so it wouldn't it wouldn't be an entertainment segment without a bit of what the fuck movie news and um in this case we're actually switching to what the fuck tv news as many of you know there is a film that has been already been remade called the thomas crown affair the original film starred steve mcqueen and came out in 1968 i want to say 67 or 68 and of course they did a reboot a remake with pierce brosnan and renee russo now, the reason I'm talking about this film is because I remember working in the movie theater when the Thomas Crown Affair came out with Rene Russo and Pierce Brosnan, and um, it was a fun film. I thought that everybody was kind of riding the, the 007 wave that Pierce Brosnan had created, and people came in in droves to see the Thomas Crown Affair. A lot of old people, um, you know, and the thing the thing is that it was it was a fun movie, you know, it was it was pretty safe by by most of the standards it was a heist movie with you know a little bit of romance a little bit of suave pierce brosnan acting thrown in for good measure but overall not not a horrible movie not a great movie just you know a remake of an old flick well turns out that they want to do another remake michael b jordan actually pitched a remake to mgm for that and i'm saying to myself you know michael b jordan's a good actor he's a he's a very very talented actor but who told them that that would that anyone gives a shit about seeing that? Obviously, the joke is going to be that oh, we could do an urban take on it, which I hope that's not true. And um, you know, we we can tell a different story. I like the Thomas Crown Affair. It was fun. It was a cool flick. Doesn't need a remake of any sort. <laughs> it really doesn't. And Michael B. Jordan, as talented as he is, can be better suited doing something else because. The Thomas Crown Affair is, you know, it's artsy. It's, you know, like I said, it's a very niche kind of a, a thriller, 
it's it's okay. Like I said, it it does. It's not a film that really needs a remake. I'm being a hundred percent honest, and I think uh, Michael B. Jordan's energies can be focused elsewhere. I mean, you know, I know he's going to be doing another another Creed, which I'm excited for, but I really don't think that we need to see a remake of the Thomas Crown Affair because, like I said, the original came out in 1968. The remake came out in 1999, and like I said, it didn't burn up the box office to the point where people are clamoring for a remake. That's all I'm saying. All right. The uh, two other things to wrap things up, actually three things to wrap things up. First one, uh, TV Line is reporting that we're going to be getting a TV series based on Stephen King's The Mist, which um, if you've listened to previous episodes of My Take Radio, you'll know that I said that The Mist is probably one of the most underrated flicks that has been underrated, you know, let me let me rephrase that. The Mist is an underrated film that needs to be watched at least once. And to hear that they're getting a T that it's getting a TV series, I think again the subject material is good for a movie. I don't think it'll translate well to television. Uh, for those of you that don't know, The Mist is about uh, this mysterious mist, obviously that appears in a small town, and there are creatures living in the mist and. As a result of those creatures living in the mist, obviously the people in the small town start getting killed off, and it's not it's not just a horror movie. There are some really, really powerful messages in that film that I don't want to spoil for you guys, but if you get a chance, go on Netflix, see if they got it, or, you know, pick it up. You might be able to find it for five or ten bucks and, and watch it, because it is really an underrated film, and the subject matter, even though it's a horror movie is there's some really, really powerful stuff in there. So again, definitely check it out. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to definitely give it a shot when it airs on Spike TV. Um, You know, as, as, as someone who thoroughly enjoyed the film, I I again have to uh, stress that I don't value. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't think that what they're trying to do with this as a series is going to translate well to the small screen. This is more of a one and done affair and I think they did a good job with it. I, I really don't think that a series is going to catch on the way they think. For those of you that, that are chomping at the bit for a X 3 release date, Triple uh, X: The Return of Xander Cage is going to be hitting theaters January 20th, 2017. Uh, Vin Diesel jumps back into the, his uh, one of his many iconic roles to bring Xander Cage back to the big screen. Uh, they got a pretty solid cast. Uh, Tony Jaws is involved in the film, as is Donnie Yen. So you know there's going to be uh, some really awesome fight choreography and fight scenes in the film. Uh, I didn't hate Triple X. I thought that the the second one with Ice Cube was abysmal. Uh, they really, really tried to to embrace all the urbanness that Ice Cube brings to, brings to the screen. And I say that jokingly because it's like, hey, Ice Cube is a rapper. Uh, rap, rap is selling, let's make this movie gift-wrapped in hip-hop tropes. And um wasn't good. <laughs> it, really, it was really fucking bad. Uh, I mean, the, the only decent thing out of that movie, maybe, if you want to go that far, was the soundtrack. And eh, that's, a, that's a little touch-and-go, too. But in any case, if you are interested in XXX, Xander Cage hits the big screen January 20th, 2017. All right. Last bit of entertainment news to wrap things up. Marvel, according to TV line, has cast Iron Fist 
and it is Finn Jones from Game of Thrones. Many of you may know him as Loris Tyrell, uh, who had some questionable behavior on the show. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but in any case, uh, he has been cast as Danny Rand, who of course is Iron Fist. Uh, of course, this is leading to the standalone Iron Fist series, and I'm sure there will be appearances in the Luke Cage series as well. And of course, this all culminates with the Defender series later on. The next season of Daredevil Season 2 hits the airwaves in March, followed by Luke Cage, which is rumored for November, a possible second series, uh, second season for Jessica Jones, and of course, Iron Fist as well, with the Defenders to follow shortly after. Um... Not, I'm not, I'm not really annoyed or, you know, angry about the casting. I think that, you know, Finn Jones, you look at him, it's, you know, Danny Rand is a white guy. Like there were rumors that they were going to mix, they were going to make Iron Fist, you know, mixed race, you know, uh, maybe make him Asian or mostly Asian, but it doesn't really matter. The guy's under a mask the bulk of the time and Danny Rand is a white guy. Like that's, that's what it is. So I mean, I, would I have cast somebody like Finn Jones? No, I would have probably gone maybe Scott Adkins, or I would have gone with the guy that played Ken in the Street Fighter series recently. I would have gone with any one of those guys versus um, going with someone that doesn't have any formal martial arts training. Now, that's not to, that's not going to you know that's not going to take away from the fact that he may do a good job, but I think that one of the biggest things about Iron Fist is his martial arts background, and to not do anything with that is Again, it it's one of those things that it, it may not be terrible. I mean, the guy that played Daredevil, uh, Charlie Cox, wasn't uh, a martial artist either, but he's done a, a really good job on screen with the fight choreography for Daredevil. I just feel that you know a character like Iron Fist, you need you need somebody who can at least make the movements look believable. And I thought that Scott Adkins or uh, the other actor from from Street Fighter, I got to remember his name, um, would have done. You know, they would have done a better job. As a matter of fact, I remember there was a campaign on Facebook to get the actor from the Street Fighter series to, you know, to be cast as Iron Fist. And again, you know, you could say what you want, but I thought Scott Adkins would have done a good job, um, especially because, you know, he's done really, really great work uh, in the Undisputed series, Undisputed 2, Undisputed 3. And, you know, he's been obviously a villain in other films, but. He's a, a very talented martial artist, and I think he would have done a good job, and it would have been a great way to get him entrenched in the Marvel Universe because he is an incredibly underrated actor, uh, and he's actually in Grimsby, which uh, has a couple of trailers out. He is the guy that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen calls Ukrainian Ben Affleck. That is Scott Adkins. Uh, he's also been, like I said, in the Undisputed movies, Ninja Shadow of the Tear, Ninja the first film, uh, he was also in The Expendables. He's been in so many different movies. You can look him up on IMDb. Uh, he is probably on my you know short list of actors that I want to have on the show, only because I really appreciate the guy's work. Um, you know, really humble guy, great martial artist, and I thought he would have been a shoe in for Iron Fist, but obviously they opted to go in another, in another direction. I'm not, like I said, gonna shit on the casting, only because you know they did a really good job with Charlie Cox's Daredevil. And Marvel's Marvel's been knocking him out of the park lately. So, you know, John John Bernthal, everybody's saying, crushes it as the Punisher. And we'll see what happens. We'll see if Finn Jones can really capture the essence of Danny Rand and the Iron Fist. We'll find out soon, though, because like I said, Luke Cage 
uh, is rumored for his Netflix solo series in November. So I'm sure we will see Iron Fist by then. Anyway, that bit of news is going to close out this week's entertainment edition of MTR. Couple of things. First and foremost, this and previous episodes of the show are available in audio and video format. Uh, for audio, obviously, you can get podcast format via iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video archives of the show are available on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official RageWorks. Uh, we will be putting the podcast very soon on Google Play and Spotify as well. We also got brand new episodes of The Buried Show, the regular season sports cast, and I'm sure there will be a, a fresh episode of Black is the New Black as well. In any case, I've given you my take on gaming and entertainment this week. I'd love to hear yours. Hit us up on social media, uh, Twitter, at Rage underscore Works, or at My Take Radio. If you're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. You can also join the RageWorks Facebook group, interact with other, other readers, listeners, and the rest of the RageWorks team. In addition to that, you can find us on Pinterest, Instagram, and, of course, Snapchat as well. Just look for RageWorks on any of those platforms. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Make sure to join us next Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for the MMA and Wrestling edition of MTR. All right, guys, I am out of here. Thank you for joining us this week, and I'll see you later. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. That's all, folks.